I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome to Play Me's special series, The Show Must Go On, in part two of Carried Away on the Crest of a Wave by David Yee. In part one of Carried Away on the Crest of a Wave, we experience three unrelated narratives set in different places in the world, interconnected by the 2004 tsunami. We meet a scientist at the International Earth Rotation in Australia who reports the Earth got smaller on December 26, 2004. Two brothers in Malaysia who are tossing family mementos as their home sinks into the ocean. And a Muslim engineer sent by the Vatican to India to investigate a miracle at a basilica where 2,000 people were spared from flooding. This is part two of Carried Away on the Crest of a Wave by David Yee. Tune to the other. Oh man, that tune was so dope. That was TLC Waterfalls on 1083 Happy FM. And uh, speaking of waterfalls, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's the worst. That's the worst segue in like the history of radio. <laughs> no, this thing, this disaster in all over in Southeast Asia. Mm. It's been a couple of days, and the death toll is just... It's like watching The English Patient. Mm-hmm. You think it's got to be over, but it just keeps going. It's awful, really. It's truly awful. Oh, the movie. Yeah, no, no, no. And the, it's uh, bad. Truly, oh, oh, it's bad. totally, totally. And we should... Everyone should be like, just go there. Mm. You know, people ought to just go there. Build homes or something. Do something. Don't just sit on your ass and watch it on TV. Well, people or... have jobs. They can't That's just... That's not the point. Oh, no, we should send the unemployed. Oh, what? you know what? You know what? We should send the homeless. <laughs> we should all... No, every country should just send the homeless people to no, no, build... No. That's for the homeless, by the homeless. <laughs> no. no. Obviously, that's a terrible idea. Anyway. Anyway. So... There's a lot of fundraising going on for relief, uh-huh. and I got this email. Did you get this, chill? No. It's a contest. Coca-Cola is holding this raffle contest thing to go live in Sri Lanka, in this coastal town. It's totally free. They just give it. What? Like now? No. Now, now there's dead Sri Lankans everywhere. That'd be the worst contest ever. Well, it's already, I think, the worst contest. <laughs> no, you're going four years. Oh, uh, I did hear about this. It's the um, big backyard. The something. world's biggest backyard contest, yeah. They're going to rebuild the town, right? Yeah. It's all underwritten by USAID, the American... Uh, uh, whatever, uh, relief, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They fix it all up, takes about four years, and then the winner... Goes lives there in this giant house. Mm, I would totally go. Totally. Oh, it's so amazing. 
are you on friggin' acid? What's the matter with you? Well, you wouldn't like, want You know what it is. You know what it is. Well, well, what is it? It's sponsored colonialism. That's what oh, it is. Yeah. It's the Americans. It's a fundraiser for, for, for relief. Come on, they need that over there. You're an idiot. And I'm not saying Seriously, it. how do you not swallow your own tongue? Okay, okay. I'll break it down for you like you're a first grader. Oh, my God. It's Jungameshi. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. That's just Sanjay. Come on in. Sanjay works upstairs. Hey, grab a seat, buddy. Sanjay, what do you think about this stupid uh, Coca-Cola contest? Uh, uh, well, it's uh, um, Sanjay's with corporate. He probably likes the idea. Yeah, he's mad. He didn't think of it first. Uh, no, I think it's well, it's a complex. Sanjay. You know this is radio, right? You have to speak in complete sentences in radio. I think Coke is actually a sponsor. So. <laughs> oh my God, you are such a suit. Okay, okay. I'm going to throw it to a commercial. Hey, maybe a Coke commercial, who knows? We'll be back with more of Toronto's top music on Happy 1083. We're we about to take it back, back, back. I play the game. Rick, you want me in there for... Shut the fuck up. Never knock at the door when I'm on air. Sorry. I think it's good. What? The contest. I, th I think it's a good idea. USAID is, uh, they do good work. There's some serious fucking devastation going on, and it's being trivialized by this... You know how much USAID contributed to sustainability and foreign development? Nothing. They contract everything out. Create a market for American... It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. You know what Cantalisa Rice said about what's going on over there? <laughs> she said it's a wonderful opportunity that will reap great dividends for the U.S. It's a fucking travesty. What do you want? Rough morning? Yeah, they're all rough these mornings. I've just got some notes from upstairs. I'm halfway done the show already. Well, they're a bit late, Am I the yeah. only one around here that does this fucking job properly? It's not my fault, they... I'll decide what's your fault. The notes are... They're, they're tiny, really. Most of them are positive. They, they love the game show bit and the Osama prank call. <laughs> they, they think the demo will love it. Uh, focus groups are really digging the relationship with you and Chili. They think he's great. Yeah, he can't hear us. Oh, well, in that case, they don't really say that. Uh, they're actually thinking of bringing in a third person to pick up the slack. Uh, there's just one minor thing. Unfortunately, you don't have the clearance for the song. Fucking knew it. It's a rights issue. There's no rights issue. It's a management issue. It's a issue. censorship issue. No, no, look. They love it. Love the concept. Think it's brilliant. It's just a logistical... Fuck you. You're handling me. Okay. I'm handling you. All right. Finally, some real talk. Rick, you're back on the air in three. From I'm in the middle of something. Here's some more mind-numbing pop music. Tell me what they said. They hate the song. There it is. They think it's insensitive. It's a comedy show. They know it's a comedy show, right? They do, Rick. This is why they hired me. They hired me because, in their words, they like my edge. I'm edgy. That's why. They just think maybe it's too soon. That's why it's called current affairs. They don't want to take it lightly. It's got nothing to do with taking it lightly. What do you think? Me. What do you think of the song? I haven't heard it. You haven't heard it? I'm not in those meetings. You haven't heard it? It's the principle. The principle? 
I understand that humor is... That some people deal with some situations that way. But not everyone is like that. And not every situation is, well, appropriate for that treatment. It's like making a joke about 9-11. Well, you know what they say about 9-11 jokes. They're just plain wrong. You see? <laughs> you see? It's funny. Wait, wait, no, no, wait. Are you laughing because it's funny? Or because you're a terrorist? Hey. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And I know 9-11 itself isn't actually funny, but maybe the reverence that we give it, maybe we can laugh about that just a little. I guess. But look, I can't let you do it. They sent me down to make sure you don't do it. I'm just being straight with you. What? You're my babysitter now? I, I'm just... I'm... A representative of the corporate entity? Babysitter. Uh, they gave you the bitch job coming down here. What'd you do? Fuck someone's wife? Daughter? Gerbil? What? No, I volunteered. No one volunteers to come to the Shark Tank, baby. I'm a fan, Rick. It's true. I love the show. I'm the biggest supporter you've got upstairs. I'm fighting for you, but you gotta meet them halfway. They don't want you to make fun of this. I'm not making fun of... It's our reaction to it. The song I want to do, it's a parody of those fucking useless charity songs. You know the ones? Nah, you're probably not old enough to... Back in 84, Bob Geldof recorded Do They Know It's Christmas with this super group of all-stars like uh, Bono and Bananarama called Band-Aid for African famine relief. Then in 85, Quincy Jones did his own version, same deal, called USA for Africa. Yeah, we are the world. Right, right. A week after they recorded that, David fucking Foster gets all these Canadian assholes to do Tears Are Not Enough, Northern Lights, they called and it. And you think those songs are useless? You think some starving African is going to be like, oh, uh, fucking uh, Burton Cummings is singing about me. The world's a better place. They don't care. It's a vanity project. All three of them are vanity projects. Morrissey called Band-Aid the most self-righteous platform ever in the history of popular music. And Morrissey's a fucking asshole. But those songs, they did a lot for famine relief. The, they raised awareness and the profits from the album sales, individual donations. In, in 1985, sure, fine. But in 2004, give me a fucking break. Album sales are in the toilet. Awareness is, no one cares. We've saturated them with this gooey, saccharine, Bullshit marketing. Everyone just nods their heads and waits for fucking Bono and George Clooney to cure AIDS. Fucking sick of it. You're back in three. It's coming. Two. I'm fucking talking. We'll be back for a fresh round. You just said the F word on live radio. It's fine. There's a delay. Chili caught that, didn't you? Uh, nope. Uh, you told me to take the delay off last week. I uh, said it was blocking your cheek. You're out of control. Whatever. I doubt anyone heard that. Uh, Rick, uh, Barry's on the line from upstairs. He wants to know why you just swore on live radio. Jesus Christ, I'm gonna get fired. I'm supposed to be watching you. Hey, Barry. <clears throat> the problem with producers, and in particular producers of comedy shows, is that most of them, they see a joke as a position. That if you tell a joke about something, that, that must mean that's how you feel, the position you take, and that you are defending that position by telling the joke. But that's wrong, that's wrong, because a joke isn't a position. A joke is a proposition. It's an invitation that I leave up there, hanging in the air. It's for the listener, the receiver, to do something with it. 
What if it's too far, though? You know, guys like Lenny Bruce and Richard Pryor, they were crucified for saying the hard things, the hard words that woke us up, shook us out of apathy, revealed to us the fucking hypocrisy and the unfairness and the... You know what I'm talking about? This isn't pirate radio. It's a commercial broadcast. We're accountable to people, regulatory bodies, sponsors. There are checks and balances. Those corporate pussies care more about money and focus groups than they do about the right thing. The greater good. And you're better than that. We both are. I do this song, this song that I'm not clear to do, and I will change things. I will get people talking about what's happening over there. We have the ears of hundreds of thousands of people. That's the accountability I care about. It's my job, Rick. All I've got is my job. Sanjay, we are at a critical time. We've become so fucking apathetic. Something like this happens and it's that thing that happened over there you know, to those people. So they have a vigil, a charity concert, a fucking contest. All those things, they do more to separate us from them than they do to help. And I'm trying to get people to care again. And I'm doing it through comedy because that's my gift. That's my jam. And I feel like you get that. You're a fan of the show? Mm-hmm. How'd you like to be on the show? You, me, and Chili, the three Muska fucking tears. Stand with me today and I will make that happen. I want you to be part of this, but it's gotta be now. Rick, they're sending security down. They're gonna pull us and throw to requests. Are we gonna do this thing? Are we doing this? Do it. Lock that door. All right, y'all, uh, cue up the David Foster segment for backup. This is activism, Sanjay, real talk. This is a protest song. I'm like Bob Marley up in this bitch. Or like a funnier Gandhi. They're here. We're making a difference. You're making a difference. Here we go. Good morning, Toronto. I got Sanjay here in the studio with me, chilling in the booth, and the whole 28th floor kicking down our door because everyone wants to hear the tsunami song. A heartfelt tribute to accompany the images of poor brown people being washed away on the front page of your newspaper. Unless you read The Sun, where the front page is a blonde with big tits and daddy issues on a water slide. Almost the same thing. Chilly, you ready? This is from my man, Sanjay. Every single day, there's thousands of earthquakes. But we don't care because it's not us. The half a world away with names that we can't say. Just more dead foreigners, so what? But then there came a wave, washed the Asian kids away. Now it's just empty wet sweatshops. Your mommy tried to swim, but she got her head caved in. Bet you have questions for your god. You gave me cat, I ordered chicken. You're hanging on to communism. The tsunami came because God hates you all. Because you ate your dog for dinner, dropped your baby girl in the Yazi River. The tsunami came because 
God hates you all. Next up, traffic and weather together on the ones. 108.3. Happy FM. It's funny, right? right back i don't know what's real i don't know what's not real limited capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other there's something going on with him it's like an act i don't trust him what you're staring at me like i should say something but i don't really know what to do here that's the whole name of the game don't talk about how the town isn't real you understand limited capacity Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. are dead too. Long time ago. I was your age. A little older, maybe. It was hard. Don't listen to the other kids. They don't understand. They'll... They'll make fun of you. They made fun of me. And one boy, Kai. Something. He was younger, but I was small. He was a baby. He was a bully in my school. The bully, he called me an orphan. In front of all the other boys, he did this every day. The orphan boy, that's what he called me. And he would laugh, him and his brother. But that summer, I grew tall, taller than the bully. So the next fall term, I marched up to him in the schoolyard first thing in the morning. I stood in front of him and I asked him, what's my name? And before he could answer, I punched him in the nose. Do you know how to break someone's nose? No. Don't punch them straight on here. You want to aim here and down. It's a clean break, easy to fix, but they'll never forget you. And they'll never call you an orphan again. Good. You watch and tell me which one is your uncle, okay? He said to meet him here. That's my phone number. 
in London. That's where I live now. Life is going to be hard for you. So you can call me if you ever, you don't know me and I don't know you. You're just a kid and it's not the same as having your parents. I'm not that to you. I'm just, I'm the one who pulled you out of the water. And you can call me if you need that. Again? Is that? You. Made for this, weren't you? Built for this? To do this? When he said you were the one, the, the special one, one with talents, he wasn't kidding. I mean, he's a lot of things, but a liar ain't one of them. You're a lot of things too, but a liar maker you are not. Jesus. I mean, sorry, are you religious? But come on, Jesus, that was intense. Did you? I mean, I know you. There was a sound, and you did that thing, but. And you're supposed to, aren't you? Isn't that part of the contract or whatever it is to. I just want to know was that real? No, second thought, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I mean, that's why, you know, we pay. We pay for the, for the right, for the privilege, not to know, to assume the, uh... Fantasy. Lie. Fantasy, sure, why not? May I dress? If you like. <laughs> but only just, okay? Only those. As you like. Man, I am sweating. The heat here. <laughs> it comes in waves. It's different from, you know, at home. It's different. There are seasons back home. Not here, no seasons here. My wife, she didn't like the seasons. It was too much change. She liked the warm. Warm and hot, those were her seasons, she used to say. Sorry. You can tell me about her. 
I won't mind. I know. Mr. Crumb. Our friend connected us because I have certain skills, certain talents that you were in need of. Listening is one of those talents. Huh. That thing you did with your tongue, that's a talent. Listening is just what you do when you ain't got nothing to say. I am not some Pattaya bar girl, Mr. Crumb. My time is precious. You would be wise not to waste it, or you might find it running out. I'm sorry. Don't look. Don't go, okay? I just... Please, don't go. I, I've got a lot on my mind, is all. Sex. That does it to me. Makes everything hazy, confused. That's why I like it. I used to drink, you know? A lot. But I prefer sex. Helps with the forgetting. The disappearance of fact. You know? So, I'm sorry. I didn't mean... I can be brash, I know that. I'm sorry. Let's have a drink. Well, I thought you didn't drink anymore. Don't think I forgot how. But you used to be sober. I used to be a lot of things. Would you like to play a game? Like a drinking game? A little old for that, aren't I? Not you, maybe, but I certainly am. <laughs> if you can guess my drink, we'll add another hour. Gratis. Huh. Two hours. As you like. Huh. Something classy. Sophisticated. You're not a Jack and Coke, that's me. But you're not one of them, uh, what's it called? Grantini ladies, are you? No. Nothing that takes too much time. You can't be bothered shaking and stirring when you're on someone else's dime. Simple. But refined. Standard. So you can get it room to room, bar to bar. Quality changes, but the drink's always there. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? <laughs> Very clever of you. But it's gin soda. You were right about everything else. Sure. Don't be upset. I'm not upset. It's just a stupid game is all. I don't get upset over stupid games. Interesting choice, water. You mentioned that. I mentioned it was clever. Clever is not always interesting. You speak like a sphinx. I like you, Mr. Crumb. You are a decidedly non-evil man. And I appreciate that in a person. I can't always say that. Your gin soda. What is this like? This business for you? I mean, is it rewarding? Do you... Have you... The, the people, I mean, what am I asking? Have you found love, Jasmine? Do you know what love is? Must I? I suppose not. Must help, though, I think, to know what that is. It's, it's like your competition, isn't it? You should know your competition, that, that thing that you fight against, that, what, that threatens you. Your existence. Isn't love that thing? I have an arrhythmia in my heart. Love aggravates it. 
it's no more a competition than happiness would be. I'm never wanting for love, never starved for it. It's everywhere around me, in you, even. I just can't get too close. My heart wouldn't take that. You got the nicest way of saying the saddest things. Thank you. So then, what do you get out of this, things like this? Money, baby. Oh, yeah? That's what it's all about for you? That's what you foreigners believe. Shame, Mr. Crumb. I thought you were a rarer breed of man than that. That's why I was asking. I don't believe that about you. I don't believe it's money. You're different. Don't romanticize me, Mr. Crumb. It never ends well for either party. I'm just curious. As am I. How a man like you resolves to find someone like me. Lots of men here looking for girls. Mm, but only extraordinary men look for me. So, what makes you extraordinary? I'm getting tired of your questions, lady. I mean no offense. I'm tired all the same. Questions. Right? You, you can't just ask people about their lives, lady. You gotta respect people's boundaries or something. You can't go asking them about things, their motivating things. You understand? We get nervous, people do, when we're called into question like that. And sometimes a question is just a question. Nothing more. Uh, there's always more. I want to know if it was real. When you came just then, was that real? I, I can't... I can't stand being lied to. I want to know if it was real. Tell me. Why does it matter to you? Just answer my question. Mr. Crumb. St look, stop calling me that, okay? Okay? It's not my real name. My name isn't Mr. Crumb. Just stop calling me that. What did you used to be called? Sharky. She used to... Because we met on this beach and... Yeah, I was doing the Jaws thing for my nephew, you know, to... Under the water. She saw me do that. She knew she was going to fall in love, so... She called me Sharky. Or Thomas, sometimes just Thomas. I could call you that. <laughs> I mean, why do you ask me these things? Make me remember these things. Why do you do that? Why do you want to forget? I don't. I wasn't saying that. So? Tell me. She was kind. You know? She never said a bad thing about anybody. Always look for the best. But when she was disappointed in you, boy, you knew it. And she loved the wa water. That was the th she. The sex was good. Not often, but good when it happened. She never came, though. We got close a few times. She thought she was... I guess there's like a brink that you get to and you either give into it or you get scared of it and pull back. <laughs> there was one time she tried to fake it. Just as I was ready, she started on top of me, riding me. She started to moan real loud. She starts grinding harder, faster, and this moaning, and I totally buy it. And then she starts talking, right? Dirty, like she's going, yeah, give it to me, do it like that and all this stuff. Because I, I told her I liked that this real long time ago. But she was never the sort. So now, she's going like a house on fire. And I'm thinking, 
something really fucking cool has come over my wife. She's possessed this beautiful tornado of a thing, and I'm still buying it. So she's screaming all this stuff, and I'm praying to God to hold on long enough to get her there. And then she stops. She draws herself in real deep, real close, grabs my face in her hands and says, Oh, baby, take me to that special place. And I, I lose it. I start laughing. I mean, who says that? I'm dying of laughter. And she, there's this look she gets. But then she's laughing too. We're both killing ourselves and she falls down on top of me. She couldn't fake a smile. My love couldn't. She was something special. I was supposed to meet her here. New Year's Day. I had this work thing I couldn't, but she went ahead. I told her to go ahead. I'll meet you there. We'll have our anniversary in the sand. Our anniversary. Would have been our first anniversary. New Year's Day, someone found her, uh, her necklace. This Celtic knot thing. It was fucking ugly, but she loved it. Never took it off, you know? That's how we, I guess, how I knew our anniversary. It was the first day I took someone home. I paid someone to come with me. Couldn't do it, you know? I couldn't face the... I made her wear the necklace. I dressed her up in, in her favor. Fuck, her favorite dress from home. I put it on her. I smothered her neck in perfume and I, Jesus, I told her not to come. I told her to get to the brink, but don't go over, don't you fucking go over. Oh, fuck. It was good, too. It was, so... oh, God. Draw me a bath, would you? Sure. This place swallowed her. I tried to swallow it back, but there's too damn much. Is that why you're here? You know why I'm here. I need help. I can't do it alone. Why did you let me come? You could have stopped me, kept me at the brink. Things change. Do you want me to tell you if it was real? No. No, I don't think I do. You'll stay? It is our arrangement. What does it feel like? I mean, real or not with me, I don't care. But you have, haven't you? With someone? I have. What does it feel like? What's on the other side that she was so afraid to see? It feels... It feels like you're being carried away on the crest of a wave. 
and it might set you down gentle, and it might set you down rough. But you never feel that. I promise you, Sharky, you never feel that. All you ever feel is being carried away. Hmm? Out and away. That was part two of Carried Away on the Crest of a Wave by David Yee. Episode three is available now on Play Me. The play was performed by Richard Lee, Ash Knight, Richard Zapieri, Epony Lee, Mako Nguyen, John Ng, and Nadim Philip. The original stage production was directed by Nina Liakino. Carried Away on the Crest of a Wave was created with the support of Native Earth Performing Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, the Toronto Arts Council, and the Canada Council for the Arts. The play premiered at Tarragon Theatre in 2013. This episode's sound design and edit are by Chris Tolley. If you haven't already, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast to help us get the word out to more listeners. We'd also love your feedback about our show. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca and follow us on Twitter at Theater or on Instagram at Podcast. Special thanks to our CBC producers, Fabiola Melendez-Carletti, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani. The senior director of audio innovation is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me's associate producer is Pippa Johnstone. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is produced by Expect Theatre in partnership with CBC Podcasts. For more information on our plays and artists, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.